Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading this morning is taken from Numbers chapter 18. The Lord said to Aaron, You, your sons and your family, are to bear the responsibility for offences connected with the sanctuary. And you and your sons alone are to bear the responsibility for offences connected with the priesthood. Bring your fellow Levites from your ancestral tribe to join you and assist you when you and your sons minister before the tent of the covenant law. They are to be responsible to you and are to perform all the duties of the tent, but they must not go near the furnishings of the sanctuary or the altar. Otherwise, both they and you will die. They are to join you and be responsible for the care of the tent of meeting all the work at the tent, and no one else may come near where you are. You are to be responsible for the care of the sanctuary and the altar, so that my wrath will not fall on the Israelites again. I myself have selected your fellow Levites from among the Israelites as a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord to do the work at the tent of meeting. But only you and your sons may serve as priests in connection with everything at the altar and inside the curtain. I am giving you the service of the priesthood as a gift. Anyone else who comes near the sanctuary is to be put to death. Then the Lord said to Aaron, I myself have put you in charge of the offerings presented to me. All the holy offerings the Israelites give me, I give to you and your sons as your portion, your perpetual share. You are to have the part of the most holy offerings that is kept from the fire. From all the gifts they bring me as the most holy offerings, whether grain or sin or guilt offerings, that part belongs to you and your sons. Eat it as something most holy, Every male shall eat it. You must regard it as holy. This also is yours. Whatever is set aside from the gifts of all the wave offerings of the Israelites. I give this to you and your sons and daughters as your perpetual share. Everyone in your household who is ceremonially clean may eat it. I give you all the finest olive oil and all the finest new wine and grain they give to the Lord as the first fruits of their harvest. All the land's first fruits that they bring to the Lord will be yours. Everyone in your household who is ceremonially clean may eat it. Everything in Israel that is devoted to the Lord is yours. The first offspring of every womb, both human and animal, that is offered to the Lord is yours. But you must redeem every firstborn son and every firstborn male of unclean animals. When they are a month old, you must redeem them at the redemption price set at five shekels of silver, according to the sanctuary shekel, which weighs 20 gehers. But you must not redeem the firstborn of an ox, a sheep, or a goat. They are holy. Splash their blood against the altar and burn their fat as a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Their meat is to be yours, just as the breast of the wave offering 
and the right thigh or yours. Whatever is set aside from the holy offerings and the Israelites present to the Lord, I give to you and your sons and daughters as your perpetual share. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord for both you and your offspring. The Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. I give to the Levites all the tithes of Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. From now on, the Israelites must not go near the tent of meeting or they will bear the consequences of their sin and will die. It is the Levites who are to do the work of the tent of the meeting and bear the responsibility for any offences they commit against it. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. They will receive no inheritance among the Israelites. Instead, I give to the Levites as their inheritance the tithes that the Israelites present as an offering to the Lord. That is why I say concerning them, they will have no inheritance among the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. Your offering will be reckoned to you as grain from the threshing floor or juice from the winepress. In this way, you will also will present an offering to the Lord from all the tithes you receive from the Israelites. From these tithes, you must give the Lord's portion to Aaron the priest. You must present as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything given to you. Say to the Levites, when you present the best part, it will be reckoned to you as the product of the threshing floor or the winepress. You and your households may eat the rest of it anywhere, for it is your wages for the work of the tent of meeting. By presenting the best part of it, you will not be guilty in this matter. Then you will not defile the holy offering of the Israelites, and you will not die. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sue, very much. Friends, good to be with you again today. I hope you're all doing well. Do keep your Bibles open or your phones uh, on with the passage up there, and let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open up your word to us now, that we might know you more, and we might know your Son more. Please, Lord, do that work in us. Have mercy upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Christians, we bear the name of Jesus Christ. But may I ask, in our daily lives, what is our level of appreciation for Him? How thankful are we? How interested are we? How much does being a follower of Jesus excite us? Does, it, does He stir our emotions? It can be hard, can't it, to feel the grand things about Jesus we know we should. Maybe we were brought up in a Christian home and we've known about Jesus for many years, but like all those things which are established in our lives, we often take Him for granted. 
Maybe we had a conversion experience at some point. As a teenager on a summer camp, or as a student on a university mission, or as an adult on a Christianity Explored course, or in any other number of ways, maybe through a friend witnessing to you, or, or opening up the Bible yourself, or in a hard time, and, and you had that buzz of excitement, saved by Jesus, nothing could be any better. But for many of us, that buzz faded. I generalize, I'm sure there are some here who are enjoying being a follower of Jesus just so much right now. That's a wonderful and precious thing for you. Your appreciation for Jesus is through the roof, and that's where it should be. But for many of us, it isn't. And for non-believing people visiting us today, you're probably thinking, well, I'm certainly not buzzing for Jesus. Why would I? But by being here, you're giving him a hearing, and so I'm very grateful that you have joined us. As a topic, this follows on from last week when I asked if we appreciate the magnitude of what God has done for us. And the theme is basically the same because these passages, they run together. Last week, we saw that Aaron, the priest, was challenged by Korah and the others with him, but then God vindicated him. And then he brought about this incredible salvation for the people by running into the middle of the plague and standing there between the living and the dead. It was this wonderful picture of Jesus Christ. Well, here today we get more on Aaron's place in society and we'll see just how special the priest would have been. He was highly honored among the people of God. And so today, through this, I hope we'll see afresh how special Jesus is. And maybe, just that little bit more, increase our appreciation of him. The idea I hope we'll see today is that the priest is unique, essential, and honored. As God speaks to Aaron, the first in the line of priests, we see how special his role is. It is unique, essential, and honored. It's unique. Verse 1. The Lord said to Aaron, you, your sons, and your family are to bear the responsibilities for offenses connected with the sanctuary, and you and your sons alone are to bear the responsibility for offenses connected with the priesthood. They have a unique responsibility. It's just him and his sons and his family to follow. Jump to verse 6. I myself have selected your fellow Levites from among the Israelites as a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord to do the work at the tent of meeting, but only you and your sons may serve as priests in connection with everything at the altar and inside the curtain. I'm giving you the service of the priesthood as a gift. Anyone else who comes near the sanctuary is to be put to death. So the Levites, the tribe from which the priests came, they have a role to play, but it is Aaron alone and his family who may serve as priests. The point is that this isn't any old job. Not not everyone has a right to do this. And it's not about skills and ability to do the job. It's just being from the chosen family. And that's something we kick against, isn't it? No job should be limited by which family you're born to. But actually, this isn't a job. This is a life. 
This is being the priest. It's so special, it's unique. It's also essential. They bear responsibility. We see that again and again. Verse 1, responsibility for offenses. They have to deal with sin. Verses 2 to 4, they share this wider responsibility for the tabernacle with the Levites. The key verse, verse 5, you are to be responsible for the care of the sanctuary and the altar so that my wrath will not fall on the Israelites again. The priests keep the Israelites safe from the wrath of God. Without them, they will come under judgment again and again. This is because the Israelites are setting out to be a people with God at the very center. The tabernacle and the altar and the holy sanctuary. These are all about God being there with them. But God is holy and the people are sinful. They should be burnt up by him. It's like saying, we could live with a lion in our house. It would probably be fine. No, it won't be fine. It will go terribly for you, not the lion. And so the priesthood is established as a way of keeping the people safe. They alone are given the right to go into the holy place. They make the sacrifices, they lead in confession, and because of them, the people can live safely with God at the center. God's true priest is essential. And they are honored. This is not an easy role to take on. It's serious, but it comes with wonderful rewards from God. He gives them great gifts. He honors them. Verse 8, Then the Lord said to Aaron, I myself have put you in charge of the offerings presented to me. All the holy offerings the Israelites give me, I give to you and your sons as, a, as your portion, your perpetual share. And look then at what they receive. These are remarkable things. Verse 9, the holy offerings, grain offerings, sin offerings, guilt offerings, these are things given by the people to God uh, to pay for their sin. We probably don't appreciate the significance of these things. You know, these are the most important offerings that they ever make. The things which people give to God in repentance. These are precious things, expensive things, holy things. And God says to Aaron, I now give them to you. And then there's more, verse 11. The wave offerings. These are another kind of offering, not quite as important. Well, you and your family, you can have these too. Verse 12, all the various first fruit offerings, the first bit of everything is meant to be given to God. Olive oil, wine, grain, you and your family can have these too. Verse 14, this section is about the things that are devoted to God. That's an expression, uh, and it basically means all the firstborn, anything that is firstborn is devoted to God, human or animal, and it's since the Passover. Do you remember when God rescued the people through the, uh, and saved all those firstborns? So they're all His, and some of them get sacrificed, some get redeemed at a price. Either way, they are all then given to the priests. It's remarkable. 
The priest is so special in the Israelite community that gifts given to God are then given to them. They're greatly honored for their great work. Verse 20. This section, it then explains the tithing system. That's giving a tenth of what you've earned or harvested. And the issue going forwards is that the Levites are not going to be given a place in the land. They'll be scattered throughout. As a picture for us of Christians being scattered around the world, not having our own land. They will be um, then responsible for worship. They'll be doing work at the tabernacle as well. But if they've not got any land, they won't have any means of providing for themselves. So the tithing system is set up. All of the other tribes will give a tenth of their income to the Levites. 10%, 11 other tribes, basically everyone gets the same. But then, verse 26, tithing, it's not just for the other tribes, it's for the Levites too. The Levites also tithe. They give 10% of what they receive, just as if they'd got it from the fields. And their tithe goes to the priest and his family. So the nation gives to support the work of the Levites, and the Levites give to support the work of the priests. The whole nation facilitates this unique and essential work of the priest. They are honored in society. What do you think uh, people would have, uh, in Israel would have thought of the priest? You know, ordinary Israelites, what might they have thought? Well, there might have been some who are begrudging it, begrudging having to give their gifts. And there might have been some who were envious of it. We saw that last week, didn't we? And, you know, there were certainly later some priests who abused their positions and perhaps gave them a bad name. But when it's all working well, don't you think there would have been a high appreciation, even excitement at the priests? Imagine an ordinary Israelite family coming to visit the tabernacle, not to go in, just to be near, to show their children. And there would have, there would have always been a crowd around, don't you think? And there would have been Levite guards making sure that people don't come too near, a bit like a royal wedding, perhaps. And, and then imagine this family here, and then the priest comes out of the tabernacle, having finished his duties, and he's, he's wearing all his robes, and he comes to speak to the crowd... Wouldn't there have been such excitement to see him? And imagine he comes over and he speaks to this family and, and he talks to them personally and they'd be awestruck. But we know the priests are meant to be humble and kind and for the people. And so he speaks gently to them and he, and he inquires about them and he talks to the children and he gives them a blessing. And, and, and what would the parents say to him? Oh, it's so good to meet you. We're so thankful for all you do for us. And maybe they've brought an offering and they pass it over there and then. And then as they travel home and they see their friends and their family, they'd be buzzing to tell them about this, wouldn't they? And everyone would be asking, what was it like? Everyone's so delighted that they met the priest. You see, the priest would have been just so honored in Israelite society. The priest is unique and essential and honored. And priests are a picture for us 
of Jesus. You see, Jesus is our priest now. We saw that in the series in Hebrews, didn't we? Pete's already quoted from Hebrews, but Hebrews 8 verse 1 as well. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord. So as with all Old Testament passages, this is not an interesting lesson in how an ancient people operated These things are to help us know Jesus more. And if we see that in Israel the priest is unique and essential and honored, then for us that means Jesus is unique and essential and honored, but even more so. Jesus is unique. In Israel it was a family line, wasn't it? When one priest died, the next would take over. It was unique to their family, but for us there is only one priest He is priest forever. Only him. No one else. He is unique. And this means no other religion can bring you to Jesus. Friends, we have to hold the line on this. Muhammad or Buddha, they cannot save you. Even our Jewish friends, they don't have Jesus as their priest. They need him. He is unique and he is essential. Without the priest, the Israelites, they could not live in the same camp as God. Well, we're not in the camp now with them. We're in God's world. And though he is patient, a time is coming, a day of reckoning, when we will all come face to face with God. Our sin will meet his holiness. And in his judgment, we would be destroyed unless Jesus, the priest, steps forward and says, she's one of mine. He's one of mine. And God the Father will say, you may live, you may come in. We have no hope without Jesus. He is essential. And he is honored. He is honored by the Father. As we saw in Hebrews, the Father invites him to sit at his right hand on a throne the honored one. Revelation fills out this picture of what it will be like in the new creation. All creatures, all people, all nations coming to worship him. Bringing him our gifts and our praise. There won't be sacrificial offerings then. The offerings will be praises. We can imagine that Israelite family and their excitement to see the priest back then. But I'm not sure I can imagine the excitement of what it will be like to see Jesus. It's beyond us, but it will be marvelous. So then, how should we feel about him now? In the future, we will just feel the right appreciation and honor at the level we should. But now, it's hard to feel the right things in the right ways, isn't it? Generally in life, I find it hard to feel the right things in the right ways. I can be cold when I see suffering on the news. Why doesn't it sadden me like it should? I can be compassionless to those around me who are suffering. I'm meant to mourn with those who mourn, but it doesn't come naturally. But I also don't get excited about the things I should. Another wedding, another baby. 
You know, our emotions are not always right. Like every part of us, they're fallen. But like every other part of us, the Holy Spirit is making them new. He's making our emotions how they should be. And so that appreciation and honor of Jesus, which we should feel, it's not a surprise if you don't always feel it. One day you will. But for now, our prayer is that by the Holy Spirit, we might have an increasing sense of joy in Him. That we might grow to honor Him as we should. We should comment on tithing. That's clearly a big theme in this passage. Uh, Where do we stand on that now? Well, tithing, that is giving 10%, is never repeated in the New Testament as a command for Christians. It's not a strict rule anymore. Because in a sense, giving is unnecessary now. Jesus does not need our financial support. We do not have to facilitate His work. You don't need to give in order to have Jesus as your priest. However, the Bible does still encourage financial giving, giving as a sign of our dependence on God, giving as a sign of our gratitude to God, giving as a way of supporting those who are in need, giving as a way of allowing some to be set aside for full-time gospel ministry. So that's why many of us will give financially as well as in other ways. Uh, It's to allow that, that... that some people to be set aside for gospel work and to allow us together to give to support those in need. And it needn't be 10%. Now we're just told to give cheerfully and sacrificially. And we use our wisdom to decide how much that might be. As Pete said, next week is Vision Sunday and there'll be an opportunity to, uh, to review our giving then. It's genuinely a coincidence that this passage is the week before then. Vision Sunday was meant to be back in September but we postponed it. Um, But as we do think about giving next week, and as we think about tithing now, my plea would be put it under the bigger heading of how do we view Jesus. He is our true high priest. He is unique, and He is essential, and He is deserving our honor. Think first of Jesus and how you'll view Him. Make much of Him in your life. One day we'll see Him and it will be the greatest day ever. But now today, let's pray for that increasing appreciation of Him, our great High Priest. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, thank You for this picture in the Old Testament of Jesus our Priest. Help us to know Him better. Help us to have that increasing appreciation of Him and bring us finally to that last day when we will see Him face to face and worship Him with unbridled joy. Please, Lord, bring us to that day. In Jesus' name, Amen.